Welcome to Aunt Blanche's Story Corner. I'm so glad you've chosen to join me today in my special reading place. To come into my cozy magic story corner, you will need two things. Ears, ready to listen carefully, and your imagination, so that you'll be able to visualize the stories as I read them to you. You may have already heard some stories by one of the greatest writers of fairy tales, Hans Christian Andersen. What is a fairy tale? Does that mean it's about fairies? Not necessarily. It means it's a story about imaginary beings or lands. The Ugly Duckling, Princess and the Pea, and The Emperor's New Clothes are three of Anderson's popular fairy tales that I've read in past episodes. They were all stories with a happy ending, or at least a humorous one in the case of The Emperor's New Clothes. But the story I'm going to read to you today about the steadfast tin soldier, another of Anderson's well-known fairy tales, is a tender love story with a sweet but not exactly a happy ending. So, get your imagination ready and listen to the story of The Steadfast Tin Soldier by Hans Christian Andersen. There were once five and twenty tin soldiers, all brothers, for they were the offspring of the same old tin spoon. Each man shouldered his gun, kept his eyes well to the front, and wore the smartest red and blue uniform imaginable. The first thing they heard in their new world, when the lid was taken off the box, was a little boy clapping his hands and crying, "'Soldiers! Soldiers!' It was his birthday, and they had just been given to him, so he lost no time in setting them up on the table. All the soldiers were exactly alike, with one exception, and he differed from the rest in having only one leg. For he was made last, and there was not quite enough tin left to finish him. However, he stood just as well on his one leg as the others did on two. In fact, he was the very one who became famous. On the table where they were being set up were many other toys, but the chief thing which caught the eye was a delightful paper castle. You could see through the tiny windows right into the rooms. Outside, there were some little trees surrounding a small mirror representing a lake whose surface reflected the waxen swans which were swimming about on it. It was altogether charming. But the prettiest thing of all was a little maiden standing at the open door of the castle. She, too, was cut out of paper, but she wore a dress of the lightest gauze with a dainty little blue ribbon over her shoulders by way of a scarf set off by a brilliant spangle as big as her whole face. The little maid was stretching out both arms, for she was a dancer, and in the dance one of her legs was raised so high into the air that the tin soldier could see absolutely nothing of it, and supposed that she, like himself, had but one leg. "'That would be the very wife for me,' he thought." "'But she is much too grand. "'She lives in a palace, while I only have a box. "'And then there are five and twenty of us to share it. "'No, that would be no place for her, "'but I must try to make her acquaintance.' 
Then he lay down full length behind a snuff-box, which stood on the table. From that point, he could have a good look at the lady, who continued to stand on one leg without losing her balance. Late in the evening, the other soldiers were put into their box, and the people of the house went to bed. Now was the time for the toys to play. They amused themselves with paying visits, fighting battles, and giving balls. The tin soldier rustled about in their box, for they wanted to join the games, but they couldn't get the lid off. The nutcrackers turned somersaults, and the pins scribbled nonsense on the slate. There was such a noise that the canary woke up and joined in, but his remarks were in verse. The only two who didn't move were the tin soldier and the little dancer. She stood as stiff as ever on tiptoe with her arms spread out. He was equally firm on his one leg, and he did not take his eyes off her for a moment. Then the clock struck twelve, when pop! Up flew the lid of a snuff-box, but there was no snuff in it. No, there was a little black goblin, a sort of jack-in-the-box. Tin soldier!' said the goblin. "'Have the goodness to keep your eyes to yourself.' But the tin soldier pretended not to hear. "'Ah, you just wait till tomorrow,' said the goblin." In the morning, when the children got up, they put the tin soldier on the window frame, and whether it was caused by the goblin or by a puff of wind, I don't know. But all at once the window burst open, and the soldier fell head foremost from the third story. It was a terrific descent, and he landed at last with his leg in the air and resting on his cap with his bayonet fixed between two paving stones. The maid-servant and the little boy ran down at once to look for him, but although they almost trod on him, they could not see him. Had the soldier called out, "'Here I am!' they would have found him. But he didn't think it proper to shout when he was in uniform. Presently it began to rain, and the drops fell faster and faster, till there was a regular torrent. When it was over, two street boys came along. "'Look out!' said one. "'There's a tin soldier. He shall go for a sail.' So they made a boat out of newspaper and put the soldier into the middle of it, and he sailed away down the gutter. Both boys ran alongside, clapping their hands. Good heavens! What waves there were in the gutter, and what a current! But then it certainly had rained cats and dogs. The paper boat danced up and down, and now and then whirled round and round. A shudder ran through the tin soldier, but he remained undaunted and did not move a muscle. He only looked straight before him with his gun shouldered. All at once the boat drifted under a long wooden tunnel, and it became as dark as it was in his box. "'Where on earth am I going now?' thought he. "'Well, well, it is all the fault of the goblin. "'Oh, if only the little maiden were with me in the boat, "'it might be twice as dark for all I should care.' "'At this moment 
a big water rat who lived in the tunnel came up. "'Have you got a pass?' asked the rat. "'Hand up your pass!' The tin soldier did not speak, but clung still tighter to his gun. The boat rushed on, and the rat close behind. Whew! How he gnashed his teeth and shouted to the bits of stick and straw. Stop him! Stop him! He hasn't paid his toll! He hasn't shown his pass! But the current grew stronger and stronger. The tin soldier could already see daylight before him at the end of the tunnel, but he also heard a roaring sound fit to strike terror to the bravest heart. Just imagine where the tunnel ended. The stream rushed straight into the big canal. That would be just as dangerous for him as it would be for us to shoot a great rapid. He was so near the end now that it was impossible to stop. The boat dashed out. The poor tin soldier held himself as stiff as he could. No one should say of him that he even winced. The boat swirled round three or four times and filled with water to the edge. It must sink. The tin soldier stood up to his neck in water, and the boat sank deeper and deeper. The paper became limper and limper, and at last the water went over his head. Then he thought of the pretty little dancer whom he was never to see again, and this refrain rang in his ears, "'Onward, onward, soldier, for death thou canst not shun.'" At last, the paper gave way entirely, and the soldier fell through. But at the same moment, he was swallowed by a big fish. Oh, how dark it was inside the fish. It was worse even than being in the tunnel. And then it was so narrow but the tin soldier was as dauntless as ever and lay full length soldiering his gun. The fish rushed about and made the most frantic movements. At last it became quite, quite still. And after a time, a flash like lightning pierced in it. The soldier was once more in the broad daylight, and someone called out loudly, A tin soldier! The fish had been caught, taken to market, sold, and brought into the kitchen, where the cook cut it open with a large knife. She took the soldier up by the waist with two fingers and carried him into the parlor where everyone wanted to see the wonderful man who had traveled about in the stomach of a fish. But the tin soldier was not at all proud. They set him up on the table and wonder of wonders. He found himself in the very same room that he'd been in before. He saw the very same children, and the toys were still standing on the table, as well as the beautiful castle with the pretty little dancer. She still stood on one leg and held the other up in the air. You see, she also was unbending. 
The soldier was so much moved that he was ready to shed tears of tin, but that would not have been fitting. He looked at her, and she looked at him, but they never said a word. At this moment, one of the little boys took up the tin soldier and, without rhyme or reason, threw him into the fire. No doubt the little goblin in the snuff-box was to blame for that. The tin soldier stood there, lighted up by the flame and in the most horrible heat, but whether it was the heat of real fire or the warmth of his feelings of love, he didn't know. He had lost all his gay color. It might have been from his perilous journey, or it might have been from grief. Who can tell? He looked at the little maiden, and she looked at him, and he felt that he was melting away. But he still managed to keep himself erect, shouldering his gun bravely. A door was suddenly opened. The drought caught the little dancer, and she fluttered like a sylph straight into the fire, to the soldier, blazed up, and was gone. By this time, the soldier was reduced to a mere lump, and when the maid took the ashes away the next morning, she found him in the shape of a small tin heart. All that was left of the dancer was her spangle, and that was burned as black as coal, and it was in the very middle of the heart, making a beautiful, beautiful sign of love. The tin heart and the spangle, the soldier and the little dancer, together at last. And that is the story of the steadfast tin soldier. I hope you've enjoyed this tender love story of the tin soldier with only one leg and the beautiful paper ballerina by Hans Christian Andersen. Love is indeed a bright and beautiful thing. All things bright and beautiful all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful. The Lord God made them all. Join me again in Aunt Blanche's Story Corner. <laughs>